Today we are facing some of the greatest challenges of our lives, from our health to political unrest, the environment, financial uncertainty, and the nation's racial divide. Welcome to Bill Myers Inspires. My idea for this show was to invite guests and get the conversation started, to take a deep dive into the issues that impact our world with an eye to exploring solutions. And we encourage our listeners to look within themselves to take decisive action to make a positive difference. Welcome to Bill Myers Inspires. I'm your host, Bill Myers. And today we are going to be talking about the Georgia voting rights situation. And my special guest today has a very interesting vantage point. She's on the front line. She is a Georgia senator, and her name is Sally Harrell. And I will be introducing her formally in just a moment. But first, let me set this show up. Is Georgia suppressing the voting rights of its citizens? And the new uh, Georgia voting rights, are, are, are these laws racist in nature? And do they unfairly target blacks and people of color? We will explore the truth on these issues in depth with my guest today, Georgia State Senator Sally Harrell, who represents Georgia's District 40 and DeKalb County in the heart of this controversy. Now, let me give you a little background on Sally. Sally Harrell is a native-born Hoosier, that's from Indiana, uh, currently serving her second term in the Georgia State Senate where as a member of the Senate Ethics Committee, she recently fought against some of the most egregious challenges to voters' rights since the Jim Crow era. In addition to this work, Harold serves on the Higher Education Committee and the Committee on Natural Resources and the Environment. Prior to, I've got to get my scroller going, prior to serving in the Senate, Harold served in the Georgia House of Representatives from 1999 to 2005, where she was the first woman to become a new mother while serving in the legislature. Senator Harold completed a Master of Social Work at the University of Georgia. Her background includes program development and policy analysis in the area of child welfare, specifically maternal and child health. She and her husband, Jay, have two children who are currently attending college. When not campaigning and politicking, you can find Sally and Jay at the local rock climbing gym or outside on Real Rock whenever they get the chance. Uh, and, and just as a, an additional side note that's not in that their bio, uh, we attended uh, the same high school in the same class, so, and we were in the same band. Uh, I told her to bring her flute. That's next time. But uh, please help me welcome <laughs> Sally Harrell. Welcome, Sally. Thank you. And, you know, you're Billy to me. We go back that far. That you're far. not Billy, you're Billy. <laughs> absolutely. absolutely. Call me what you may. It, it, <laughs> that's, that's pretty far back. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so good to, to be here today. Thank you for having me as a guest. I'm actually, ironically, in my hometown right now in the house I grew up in because I, I finished the legislature in Georgia and was fully immunized. So I came right up north to see my mother, whom I hadn't seen for over a year. So that's um, awesome. Home territory talking now about about Georgia. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, I, I have just a, a couple of things right out of the gate, because 
you know, I was I was watching a report just last night as I was sort of preparing for this, and it was uh, MSNBC, and I, I cannot think of what show or the host, but boy, she just really really brought this thing home and it was it was racist it was racist and she made another point and it was racist and and she just really circled around that and that seems to be much of the national awareness or narrative is just sort of this this blur that it's whatever it is and whatever went down is just racist and and so many things unfortunately uh when you start to peel back the onion of american history uh, certainly does kind of have a core uh, relationship to racism, but I do not want to immediately jump to that conclusion and just say blanketly everything's race. I, I don't know about that. And so I'm seeking your uh, ad- advice, your counsel, your uh, experience, your awareness and participation in this process to help us clarify that which is racist and that which is not, that which is egregious, that which is not. Because um, uh, I know that you had made some in our in our pre-interview discussion, you made some comparisons even to uh, what exists in the state of Indiana. So, right. I mean, so therefore, it you know, and uh, well, that's not a gauge necessarily on what's racist or not, but, but at least you know it. It's um, you know. So there, I'm I'm going to back up now because I want you to figure out how you want to to step into this. Sure, uh, sure. Yeah, so I mean, the answer to the question, is it is it racist or not, is it is and it isn't, both. Okay. Um, I do think that because Georgia is in the South and has a long history of racism, it is, uh, it is, you can sometimes jump to a conclusion that it is racist because it's in the South. And I think we need to be be careful uh, about about doing that, and so what I want to do today is really um, dig in deep to how did this how did this law come about? How does it compare to other states? Is the media representing it correctly, accurately, and in what's in it? It's a it's a ninety eight page bill. Okay, okay. what the media has mostly communicated about is the ability to get refreshments of water and drop boxes. Well, mm-hmm. that's a few lines of the bill. Right, sure. But listening to the media, you would think that's what the bill was all about. Um, so I think I'd like to begin by kind of talking about what it was like to be on the front lines. It's just not every day that a state senator uh, gets to work on an issue that ends up being talked about uh, nationally so much. Um, so, of course, you know, the backdrop is that um, Georgia had a couple of elections in November and January that had some surprise outcomes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Biden won the uh, presidential election in Georgia by 12,000 votes. While that was a surprise, there's been a trend in Georgia to be voting more and more democratically. And so for those of us who have been tracking the changes over the years, it was not a shock. It was just a pleasant surprise. Mm-hmm. Uh, likewise, in January, we had two U.S. Senate seats open that would swing the balance of the U.S. Senate, and we won both those races, which uh, was a bigger surprise that we were able to pull that off in a runoff election. Sure. Um, Georgia has a unique runoff system, and we can talk about that a little bit later. Mm-hmm. So then we go, the legislature goes into legislative session and, um, you know, the Republicans, they were upset. 
they didn't necessarily expect this to happen. And so uh, they, um, they struck back a bit. They were, they were angry. Um, and so I am a member of the, ironically, the Senate Ethics Committee, where all the voting legislation goes. Um, mm -hmm. I think there's some irony in that, in that name. Um, and so, the, <laughs> yeah, there you go. From the very, <laughs> the very beginning of the session, we were dealing with election bills, early in the morning meetings, late at night meetings, hours and hours of testimony and questions, um, lots and lots of little bills dealing with each and every subject, so much so that the House and, and, then the, and the Senate both um, put them all together in big, what we call omnibus bills. And those then became the bills that carried through the process. There was one in the House and one in the Senate, um, however, ironically, and this speaks to the legislative process a little bit, um, the Senate bill that ended up passing, uh, people refer to Senate Bill 202, actually was never vetted by the Senate because when we considered that bill, it was a two-page bill that dealt with absentee ballot applications. When it went over to the House, they stripped those two pages and put 98 new pages on the bill. Hmm. So even though we had dealt with some of the pieces of the bill uh, along the way in other bills, this was a brand new bill that wasn't really vetted by the Senate. And that speaks to a theme of the bill not being vetted very well in general. The beginning of the session, the coronavirus, we were still in a spike. Visitors were not, visitors were discouraged from coming to the Capitol. So we, we vetted these voting bills with very little input from the public, which is alarming because this, these are bills that are gonna change a lot of things. And normally under normal circumstances, we would have had hundreds of people there. We did not have them there. And we didn't have the people we needed. We didn't have election supervisors who could give feedback. We didn't have the Secretary of State's office. If you remember the Georgia Secretary of State stood up and said, there was no voter fraud in Georgia. Right. And he had right. threats to his life because of that. He was not called in. Was that Raffensburg? That's I, right. That's Raffens right. Okay. Brad Raffensburger. Raffensburger. No. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, and, and he was not called in uh, to speak to the bill. So the bill, in my opinion, was not properly vetted. Um, which Can I ask you something before we go for any further? So when you said that the public was not um, uh, sort of included in this were, and I, I do understand that we were still under and, and we're still under, I guess, coronavirus awareness and all that. Were they prohibited? No, they were not prohibited. Uh, okay. It's just they could come into the Capitol. OK, but there was social distancing. Uh, okay. There were social distance or physical distancing uh, requirements in the room, so not many people could come into the room. Okay, okay. I, I just wanted to clarify that, but yeah, please continue. I, I just I didn't know whether that was a manipulation also, and the but uh, but go please continue. It wasn't, except that we didn't have to pass this bill this year. Okay, it became the number one top priority. We have to pass this bill right now. The fact of the matter is, they didn't have to do it right now. Uh, we have elections coming up in November. There's small municipal elections. There's another election in two years. They could have, uh, in Georgia, we have a two-year legislative session like you do in Indiana. Um, they could have passed it next year. 
and it okay. would and then that would have allowed for more public input but because they rushed it through see that's the thing they do is they rush it through and that decreases public input so some of that was on purpose okay okay so 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 they rushed this thing through so uh and do you what do you suppose was the cause for the urgency just the you know sort of the bloodthirst i mean you know we we need to they're they're upset because of the outcomes and so we need to jump on this right away to appease well they said all along that they needed to do this because their constituents had lost faith in the election process that was their line that that they give they gave the entire time so it they were they said they were taking care of their constituents but yet there were bills that came through that had nothing to do with that like there was one bill um, that ended automatic voter registration. Georgia has automatic voter registration through uh, driver services. And they were going to end that. And I kept questioning the author of that bill. What does that do to build confidence in your voters in the election process? Because he stated that was his reason. What does that do to build their confidence? To me, it's not related. How, tell me how it's related. How is it related to their confidence? He says it does or it is. So I asked him the question again. He just said, it, it does. So he, he really kind of refused to answer that question. Okay. So that might not have been the real reason. They right. might have been mad. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Okay. So, uh, so yeah, this is, this is very intriguing. So, so where do we go from here? We're, we're coming up on a break in just a few, just a minute or so, but I do want to sort of set this up as, as we look at what, what our next sort of journey is on this story as, as you, uh, as you tell it. So, yeah, I mean, I think we should, we should concentrate on um, what kind of, what is the misinformation about the bill? Uh, what have you heard versus what's really in the bill? Good. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Get because- beyond the, get beyond the water and snacks and, and drop boxes. We can talk about that very briefly, but I want to get past that. Because right. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I never was, you know, uh, you know, that water and snacks thing was kind of like, really? I mean, <laughs> I mean, I can tell you what that was about. I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was a misunderstood thing. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, you know, I didn't really think it was about, you know, the Girl Scout cookies or any of that kind of stuff, but you know, but you never know, you never know. Um, so you are listening to Bill Myers Inspires, and today we're talking about the Georgia voting rights with my special guest, Georgia State Senator Sally Harrell, and we will be back in just a moment. Today, we are facing some of the greatest challenges of our lives, from our health to political unrest, the environment, financial uncertainty, and the nation's racial divide. Tune in every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for Bill Myers Inspires as he and his guests take a deep dive into the issues that impact our world with an eye to exploring solutions. Emmy Award-winning actor Bill Myers is an accomplished actor, jazz musician, filmmaker, writer, educator, and speaker. As a biracial man who's both black and white, Bill leverages his background, talent, and voice through creativity, compassion, and connection as activism for social justice to focus on uniting the divide and compelling change. 
Bill Myers Inspires encourages listeners to look within themselves and take decisive action to make a positive difference. For more information, visit his website, BillMyersInspires.com, and sign in for the latest news and updates. Are you a subject matter expert? Are you here to share your expertise with an audience waiting to hear from you in only the way you can deliver? Are you ready to have your voice amplified across the airwaves? Inspire Choices Network has a global radio platform streaming to millions of people across the world. Professionally produced and supported by an accomplished team every step of the way, you can broadcast from anywhere in the world knowing your voice matters and we ensure it is delivered with ease and efficiency. Eager to hear your message, the world awaits. Contact us today to become an Inspired Choices Network radio host. Email become a host at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. You're listening to Bill Myers Inspires here on the Inspired Choices Network. We're here every Friday. 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thank you for joining us. And now, let's get back to the conversation. We are back. You're listening to Bill Myers Inspires, and I'm here today with my special guest, Georgia State Senator Sally Harrell. Now, Sally, before the break, you were you were leading us into this next this next uh, section where we were going to talk about what is this, the, the uh, racist component uh, pro yeah. Help us out. Tell, we can tell get us there. The story. <laughs> tell us the story. Yeah, we, we can get there. I, I want to kind of um, step back and look at the big picture a little bit first. Sure. The best thing about this bill is the three things that were not in it, that, that were discussed that we were afraid were going to be in this bill. Uh, but didn't make it. Um, and one is uh, no excuse absentee voting. Okay. Uh, we have had in Georgia, no excuse absentee voting um, ever since 2005. It's one of the first pieces of legislation that the Republicans passed when they took charge because they got the majority in 2005. They hadn't had the majority in Georgia for 135 years. Oh, wow. So this was historic that Republicans got the majority in 2005. The first thing they did was pass no excuse absentee voting, which means anybody can vote by mail. They don't have to have a reason. You don't have to be disabled. You don't have to be old. You can vote by mail just because you want to. Okay. We were afraid that they were going to get rid of that. They didn't. Okay. That's one thing. Then I talked about the automatic voter registration that when you go and you do anything with your driver's license, that you also get registered to vote. So that's new drivers, young drivers, they all automatically get registered to vote. They wanted to change that to an opt-in. Instead of getting automatically registered to vote, they needed to say, yes, I want to register to vote right now. And if they didn't do that, then they wouldn't be registered to vote. They wanted to do that. That didn't get in the bill. And then lastly, they wanted to restrict weekend voting during the early vote period, like restrict specifically Sundays, um, because we have this great, um, in the Black community, we have this great, um, they, they do these souls to the polls programs okay. where they go to church and they all go vote together. 
And that's when a lot of Black people vote is after church. And they wanted to eliminate Sunday voting. That didn't happen. Okay. So that's good. That makes it a better bill. But now let's take a moment and look at some other states to kind of compare where Georgia is in comparison to other states. You all probably have heard that we all we lost the all-star game, right? Mm-hmm. The baseball game, yeah. right? Okay. So that went to Colorado. Well, let's look at Colorado voting. Colorado voting, almost everybody votes by mail. There is in-person voting, but they've pushed vote by mail so hard that almost everyone uses vote by mail. They have drop boxes all over the place. Okay. So that's where the all-star game went. They've made it really easy to vote in Colorado. Okay. Okay. Now let's look at Indiana. Indiana does not have no excuse mail-in voting. You have to have a reason. You have to say you're going to be out of town on election day. Uh-huh. So very limited vote by mail. Georgia in terms of vote by mail is actually has been and is still more generous than Indiana. Okay. Okay. Let's talk about um, voter ID for in-person voting. Indiana was the first state to pass the photo ID requirement. Georgia followed. Not every state requires a photo ID when you vote. We've gotten used to it. We think it's probably required everywhere, but it's not. Right, right. Okay, so that just kind of lays the groundwork in terms of voting laws are different in every state. And there's quite a continuum of how easy or hard it is to vote. But Indiana is actually a state where it's a little hard to vote. Okay. And Georgia has historically... um, had a voting system that's easier than Indiana's. Now we weakened that some with this bill. Okay, so now let's zero in on what people have talking about, been talking about. Let's talk about let's talk about the snacks in the water just to get that over with. Okay. okay. So yeah. the bill the bill banned people from being able to hand a water bottle or a snack to somebody who's in line. Th- this is a practice that we call line warming, and it started organically. Because we had an election in June, our primary election it was after the, the big protests, um, the uh, race protests and demonstrations. And we had a really large voter turnout, much larger than normal. And the polling places weren't quite ready for it. So we had really, really long lines. You might have seen those on national TV. Volunteers just organically rose up and said, those poor people. They're standing in line. They probably haven't had any dinner. They've just left work. Let's go take them some snacks. And it just was an organic, let's take care of our neighbors kind of thing. And the the, the volunteers were literally neighbors. They were people who lived nearby. That's a good thing. But the Republicans, after committee meeting, one Republican shared with me a postcard that he got. And it was a postcard mailed to voters saying that um, they they were going to serve collard greens at the voting poll. And um, the Republican legislator was really upset because it said collard greens and power peas instead of black eyed peas. So it was, it was, uh, you know, it was, it was creating this kind of hype and get excited about eating collard greens and, and peas when you go, when you, when you go voting. And, and the Republican legislator looked at me and the black legislator who was standing next to me and he said, well, if I voted there, would you give me any of those collard greens? And we were like, of course. 
So they were they were just kind of turned off by this practice and they thought, oh, that, that postcard had a Black Voters Matter logo on it. And then they found examples of um, volunteers advertising the voter protection hotline of the Democratic Party. So they got in their mind that this effort was politicking. And we do have a law currently that says you can't politic within 150 feet of the polling place. So they right. decided that this offering people water and snacks was politicking. And that's why it got put into the law. Had we talked, had we had those conversations ahead of time, we probably could have avoided putting that into law and we wouldn't have, have had the messaging. Back so it's on. the no collared green clause in the. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of anti collared green. <laughs> My goodness. Okay. Okay. Wow, here we and are. That's, you know, that's that's and that's what I'm saying is the public didn't participate in in the vetting of this legislation. So some bad things snuck through, um, and that was bad in terms of messaging nationally. You know, that really took off. The drop boxes they did severely limit access to drop boxes. They have to be inside a building, and you can only access them uh, while early voting is going on. So now you have to get out of your car and you have to walk in someplace and put your ballot. They used to be outside. They also limited the number. Like my home county, I think, had 32. Now they can only have five. Um, they did do that. But we never had drop boxes before the pandemic. Okay. So it's irritating, but we're going to be okay. Yeah. Okay. We, so um, the really bad things that are in the legislation, um, vote by mail ID. You're actually debating that this in Indiana right now. They're using driver's license numbers instead of signatures now. Uh, that's great if you drive. And evidently that's 97% of the people. But if you don't drive, then you're gonna have you're gonna have a lot of trouble. You're gonna have to, you know, figure out how to print out a copy of some sort of ID that's on a long list of possibilities. Uh, you're going to have to figure out how to copy it so you can put it in an envelope, or you're going to have to figure out how to uh, upload and download files in order to uh, get your absentee ballot uh, electronically. This is going to be difficult for people, and this is where it will affect um, communities of color where we know we have a digital divide, um, poor communities, elderly people who don't know how to do um, uploads and downloads is gonna make it very difficult. Before all they had to do was sign and their signature would be checked, which is how it's done everywhere. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, that's not good. Another thing that's in the bill that's really bad is provisional voting. Provisional voting happens when you go to the poll and for whatever reason, your name's not on the roll. They will say, well, your name's not on the roll, but go ahead and vote and we'll check it later. And then there's an opportunity for it to get fixed after voting is over. What Georgia has said is that if you uh, have to vote provisionally before five o'clock, um, they're going to throw that vote out. They're not going to count. But if it's after five o'clock, then they assume that maybe you can't get to the correct precinct, so they're going to count it. It's, it's a really bizarre piece of the law. Um, people show up at the wrong voting precinct all the time. Because mm -hmm. they're they're confused because early voting places are different than election day. And so right. they show up at the wrong place. They've in the past been able to vote provisionally. Then somebody after the election checks and makes sure they were a registered voter and they count the votes that apply to their district. 
not anymore. The votes will be thrown out if it's before five o'clock. There are about their last election, there were about 10,000 people who voted provisionally. Think about how much Biden won by 12,000. Right. They can potentially throw out 10,000 votes. They're getting a lot closer to being able to swing the election so, the other way. So outside of, of, of the, the time frame, this three o'clock or arbitrary time thing, um, what is it? I, I guess what strikes me here is just the idea that um, just based on the clock, how someone can just toss out someone's vote. I mean, that, right. I don't know. I mean, it's right. I'm not trying to oversimplify, but that to me, just you, you better have a, a, you know, damn good reason to throw out someone's vote as opposed to it just, well, you come at 315 or 345. Well, you, it, it, at first it was all day. They throw out all of them. They made an exception for the people who, who come after five because, okay, so let's go back to Indiana. In okay. Indiana, you're allowed to vote in any precinct in your county. Okay. okay. So there's not even the problem of accidentally showing up to the wrong precinct. You don't even have that problem here. Okay. Okay. We have the technology in Georgia to vote, to allow people to vote in any precinct in their county, but we don't do that yet. Mm. So they began to realize, they think that if you show up at the wrong precinct, you should just go to the correct one. But they also don't, I guess they don't think about that people work and have to get back to work. Right. And that the drive might be pretty far because Atlanta is a big place. Sure. So they decide, well, if it's after five o'clock, maybe you can't get to your right precinct because it's too far away or there's more traffic. There's too much traffic. So that's why they built in the five o'clock. They were going to throw them all out. Wow. So that is very troubling to me. Very, very. That's like one of the worst things in the bill. And, and not only that, they they're not necessarily going to tell people that their votes are going to be thrown out. You go in, they're going to be told before five o'clock, this is in the law. You can vote provisionally. You sign an oath saying you can't, you don't have time to get to your actual voting precinct. They have you do it. Then they throw it out and they don't ever really have to tell you they're going to throw it out. In fact, they almost lead you on to believe this is your vote. Wow. Yeah. Well, you know, that, that is, that's that's quite a troubling thing. And, and I guess particularly when you think about, again, the digital divide and, and what that can mean if people have to go online and and, uh, and and search these things and they don't even have access in the first place. Anyway, we're going to take a break real quick. You are listening to Bill Myers Inspires. And today we are talking about the Georgia voting rights with my special guest, Senator Sally Harrell. We'll be back in just a moment. Today, we are facing some of the greatest challenges of our lives, from our health to political unrest, the environment, financial uncertainty, and the nation's racial divide. Tune in every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for Bill Myers Inspires as he and his guests take a deep dive into the issues that impact our world with an eye to exploring solutions. Emmy Award-winning actor Bill Myers is an accomplished actor, jazz musician, filmmaker, writer, educator, and speaker. As a biracial man who's both black and white, Bill leverages his background, talent, and voice through creativity, compassion, and connection as activism for social justice to focus on uniting the divide and compelling change. 
Bill Myers Inspires encourages listeners to look within themselves and take decisive action to make a positive difference. For more information, visit his website, BillMyersInspires.com, and sign in for the latest news and updates. You're listening to Bill Myers Inspires. Here on the Inspired Choices Network. We're here every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thank you for joining us. And now, let's get back to the conversation. We're back and you're listening to Bill Myers Inspires. And today we're talking about the Georgia voting laws, voting rights, uh, all of the stuff going the, going on in Georgia that the news is reporting. But we've got the scoop here today because we have with us my special guest, Senator Sally Harrell from the Fort, uh, District Number 40. Mm-hmm. Now, what is District 40 um, cover? What, what parts of, of Georgia... Sure. So District 40 is uh, considered suburban Atlanta. Okay. Not, not too far out. It, it's still like I still live what, what we call inside the perimeter. Like that's your 465. We have 285 and I, I live inside. Okay. So it's not way, way out, but it's still um, it's still kind of considered suburban. And uh, I won the district in 2018. It was actually it had been held by a Republican for ever and ever. Um, but the demographics started shifting and there was actually a 20 point shift. Um, these are the Republicans who do live there are not Trump Republicans. They're more like Mitt Romney Republicans. And so they're okay. very dissatisfied. So a lot of them switched and to the Democratic Party. Um, so I flipped the district in, in 2018. And now it's the last election. I won 60% of the vote, which is pretty solidly Democratic. Wow. So, so you're, you're, you're like the person to, 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 to be the next governor. Oh, well, I don't know. about that. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're going to, I think we're going to save that. We're going to save that for Stacey Abrams. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, oh man. Well, she's, she's quite a force there. Um, so talk to me just for a second about Stacey Abrams and, and her, because what I also detected uh, when I was listening to sort of the, some of the Republican complaint uh, about this Georgia rights thing I was, you know, I was listening to, and there seemed to be like this sour grapes, Stacey Abrams still hasn't conceded or some kind of crazy stuff. It's like, she, clearly she's at home and you guys are in the big house. So mm-hmm. I mean, what, what, what's going on with all of that? I mean, well, there was, she just there was, or what? Yeah. When Stacey, when Stacey run, ran for governor, um, she lost by about 50,000 votes. So it was very close. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there was a lot of voter suppression that happened. And, and that's not me just saying that. That's the courts said that. Mm-hmm. Um, for instance, these, these signatures um, on the mail-in ballots, Georgia had passed a law that the signature had to match exactly. So if you had a hyphenated last name on your voter registration and you left out hyphen, um, they would, they would um, flag your ballot. And they get in con- They were supposed to get in contact with you and, and double check it. And sometimes they got in contact with you and sometimes they didn't. So there was one particular county that was a swing county, Gwinnett County. 
um, mm -hmm. where they were throwing out way more numbers of absentee ballots based on signatures than any place else was. And, and that went to court and, and the court did intervene and say, to say that Gwinnett needed to stop that practice. Um, so there was a lot of voter suppression, whether there was, you know, enough to make up for the 50,000 votes, that's, that's hard to say. Um, but it probably should have been even closer. Okay. Okay. Well, I just, I wanted to, um, to uh, touch on that because again, that was, that seemed to be something in the sour grapes category where it's like, well, you know, everybody's like, you know, you know, but what about, and, and quick to deflect and take the focus somewhere else. And I just noticed that Stacy was kind of positioned as to, to be that whipping girl or something. Uh, Stacy is a very smart woman and she has done so much work in um, voter rights and filed lawsuits and challenged people being purged from the rolls. And um, they really wish she would go away, <laughs> but she's not. <laughs> right, right. Well, thank goodness for that. Thank goodness yeah. for that to try to help balance out what's going on there. So, yeah. so continue. So now let me know now what, what is our next stop on this, this journey of talking about, see, I don't even have appropriate questions to ask because I do not know about the process. And I think that it's good that I sit back and you can educate all of us yeah. on the process itself. But the other part of that is um, I don't like to immediately step into just the limited bit of information that we run nationally, because right. I don't think that that's, that that's just the story that is being cycled. And so therefore I don't want to spend too much time repeating it and certainly not using that as a basis when I have someone who was there and participated in the process. Right. right. And I really would like to talk to some, about some of the things that I think are being neglected by the press. Sure, um, please. And and the next category of things that are in the bill that are really bad, um, they're a little tougher to understand because you do have to understand some process. Um, so bear with me. Okay. Um, but 75% of the, of the 98 pages in this bill are targeted to election administration. You know, how to count votes, um, how to report to the Secretary of State's office, things that election supervisors uh, are in charge of. And mm -hmm. almost all communities also have election boards, local election boards. In Georgia, they're usually made up of five people that are appointed by the two parties and maybe a fifth person who's elected by uh, the four people who are already there. But you probably have some sort of structure at the local level like that in Indiana. Um, these people are very important because they're in charge of the local elections. Mm -hmm. And um, what the bill does is it comes, it, it changes a lot about how those votes are counted and how those election offices report to the Secretary of State's office. Um, so it's going to put a tremendous amount of stress on the local election offices because it's just changing so much and putting a lot of requirements on them. Um, a couple of examples. Uh -huh. One is they decided that all mail-in ballots have to be printed on security paper, like special security paper that's hard to like counterfeit or something. That's going to cost those local communities a lot of money and the state is not paying for it. So it's an unfunded mandate. They also said that election offices cannot stop counting votes until the votes are done being counted. So you can't count till 2 a.m. on election night and go home and get some rest and then come back. 
you have to keep counting until you're done. Now that's crazy. Um, sure, you can you can hire shifts. You don't have to use the same people to keep counting all the way through the night and maybe the right. next night. Right. You can do shifts, except you know, what if you can't find enough people to hire? Which happens in in particularly in smaller communities. Yeah. Well, what happens? Um... <laughs> Uh, on the on the previous point that you were making as far as this special security paper. So what happens if a district because you were talking about the exorbitant cost uh, that they would they would be faced with to produce that kind of paper or that type of, of ballot or what have you. But w- what happens if we can't afford it? Right. I, I'm just curious what right. what happens? Well, and even broader, what happens if the local elections offices can't meet any of these mandates? Remember, I told you there was very little feedback on this bill. We also did not hear from election supervisors. I needed to know, okay, election supervisor, you're the expert in this field. Is this doable? What they're putting in this law, is it doable? Those election officials were not there for me to ask the question of. So what happens if they can't? This is a setup. Because what happens is then the state election board and the secretary of state, but mostly the state election board, can um fire the election the local election board they can say there's certain stipulations but they can say you're not doing a good enough job you're not following the law so you're out you're fired and we're going to appoint one single person this republican four out of five members of the state election board you call it the election commission are republican four out of five one democrat so it's largely republican they can send one person, one individual to that community to take over the job of the election board. And instead of a five person appointed election board, you have one individual that's sent by the Republican state election board to take over that election. That is scary. Yeah, that's pretty risky stuff. Yeah, this is almost, this this is the scariest thing. In mm-hmm. the and because it's kind of hard to understand, it's not really being talked about. The other thing is, remember how brave our secretary of state was in in saying to Trump, no, our election did not have fraud. Well, they have taken him, the legislature has taken him off that state election board. He is no longer the chair of it. He no longer has a vote. And they're replacing him with somebody from the legislature. The legislature gets to appoint somebody. So they have depowered that secretary of state. At the same time, let me say again, the state election board can take over local election boards if they don't follow this law that may be difficult to follow. So based on those two or three items that you just mentioned and the ability to step in uh, certainly avails itself to tremendous manipulation. So so now let's back up and say these things are at, in play and uh, Trump is whining about voter fraud. Is that enough of those adjustments that you just mentioned, those two or three items at the end? Is that enough for him to have actually achieved what he set out to, which is steal? He, he was. The well, one. there's there's some misinformation going around that this will allow the state to overturn an election after it's been certified by the local election boards. Okay. But my read of the bill is that is not the case. Okay. Um, 
in order to take over these election boards, you have to show three violations over two years. Okay. So there is some longevity here. It's not something that happens immediately. Okay. All right. There's a hearing. And so it's a process. It's a fairly slow process of taking over the local election board. So it's not that bad. They're not, this is not going to allow them to change the outcome of an election quickly. Okay. But, you know, again, uh, just as you mentioned a moment ago, uh, how um, these things were set up without public input or what, I mean, so just as those things were supposed to have some process or some sort of time allotted, right, to, to include um, um, input or, or opinion from others, it would seem to me that it's still very delicate that, that what's being sort of staged is may or may not. Is, is that accurate? Or yeah, and it's, well, it's, injecting, it's, it's injecting further partisanship into the election process. We also, outside this bill, we also had about a dozen local election boards where they were changing, or local election bills, where they were changing how those local election um, members get appointed. And they were changing it so that county commissions appointed the members of the local election board. And the dozen counties that were doing that have all Republican county commissions. So they set it up so that the elections board is appointed by an all Republican board. So over and over again, what we're seeing is partisanship um, on the part of the Republican party um, being injected into the election process. Wow, incredible. Well, we're gonna we're gonna step out and have a break for just a minute. I need to catch my breath. Uh, <laughs> that's a bit much. So I do appreciate you sharing all this information with us, Senator Harrell. And um, you are listening to Bill Myers Inspires as we are discussing the jo- Georgia Georgia voting rights right here on the Inspired Choices Network. We'll be right back in just a moment. Today we are facing some of the greatest challenges of our lives. From our health to political unrest, the environment, financial uncertainty, and the nation's racial divide. Tune in every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for Bill Myers Inspires as he and his guests take a deep dive into the issues that impact our world with an eye to exploring solutions. Emmy Award-winning actor Bill Myers is an accomplished actor, jazz musician, filmmaker, writer, educator, and speaker. As a biracial man who's both black and white, Bill leverages his background, talent, and voice through creativity, compassion, and connection as activism for social justice to focus on uniting the divide and compelling change. Bill Myers Inspires encourages listeners to look within themselves and take decisive action to make a positive difference. For more information, visit his website, BillMyersInspires.com, and sign in for the latest news and updates. You're listening to Bill Myers Inspires. Here on the Inspired Choices Network. We're here every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thank you for joining us. And now, let's get back to the conversation. 
We're back and you're listening to Bill Myers Inspires as we are talking about the Georgia voting uh, rights and uh, with my special guest, Senator Sally Harrell. Okay, so but before we go any further, I just want to say that it is a blessing and an honor to have you on the show today. And I do appreciate you being here. And on behalf of the Broader Pool High School alumni uh, folk, I just want you to know how proud we are uh, for you and your service in the great state of Georgia. Thank you. Thank you. I actually heard from quite a number of my classmates from Broderville High School um, during the elections in November and January, who just wanted to do something, wanted to do something to help. Yeah. Um, and quite a number of those people, you know, knowing that they were at a distance, just wanted to give money but they wanted to know where to give the money to make the biggest impact. And I live in a county, DeKalb County, Georgia, that has, I'm thinking it was like 400,000 uh, active voters. I think that's mm -hmm. the right number. And the county overall votes 80% uh, Democrat. So it was really important that we get out the vote. And we've been working to build our local party, working really hard to build it up over the last four years. And I'm so proud of what we've done because we have a very effective uh, party organization on the local level that's full of talent. So I was so pleased to be able to say to my classmates, I know that if you give to the DeKalb County Democrats, that they will put the money to good use. And, and that made my classmates feel better, too, because they felt like they, they were helping. They absolutely were helping. That's awesome. That is awesome. So 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 uh, so what can, what can we do now? Uh, is it the same sort of instruction? I mean, how do we continue to support? Because it sounds like there's still quite a, uh, you know, a number of things, that, you know, based on those two or three items that you really pointed out that are really problematic. Yeah. How can we continue to support efforts to address, redress, I don't know, but whatever we need to do. So, yeah. yeah, there is a lot of work to do. I didn't even mention one thing and I can mention it really quickly before yes, I can. what we can do. Um, they actually, okay. So there's, there's a, uh, there's something called ballot harvesting. I don't know if you've ever heard of ballot harvesting, but it's when you collect a whole bunch of absentee ballots together and um, like maybe from a senior home or something like that and mail them all at the same time. Okay. Um, that's actually illegal in a lot of states, including Georgia. Uh, I don't think it, the secretary of state said it doesn't happen very often. They, they investigated a few um, instances of it and found out there were a couple of candidates doing that, but they didn't know that it was wrong. So to, to a certain extent, we just need to educate people about what the law is. And right. I'll get into that more in a second. But what they did in this bill is they said, if you're not a, a person on the qualified list to deliver a ballot, um, like there's a list of like mother, father, grandfather, you can take relatives ballots, but you can't take your elderly neighbor's ballot because you're not a qualified person. They criminalized that and said that if you deliver a ballot and you're not on that list of mother, father, nephew, grandchild, whatever, um, that if you if you deliver a ballot like for your neighbor, it's a felony, a felony, wow. not even a misdemeanor, a felony. Wow. So there's some criminalization of um, honest mistakes that's built yeah. in this bill too, and that is worrisome. Well, well while you're on that, I, I just want to point out something else too that that was disturbing, distressing for the public to see, which is, you know, the the black legislator who who was yeah. standing at the door. 
knocking on the door while the white plantation photo in the background with the white guys and the chorus. I mean, you know, signing this thing and, and she gets carted off and yeah. they were uh, threatening a felony uh, scenario with her. That's really a bad look. Yeah. And that's not the first time it's a very bad look. And it's not the first time it happened in Georgia, right before I got elected, uh, my to be seatmate, who is an out now a Congresswoman, um, she took John Lewis's place in okay. Congress. That the same thing happened to her. They arrested her because she was, um, there was a group of people, it was right after the 2018 elections, and there was a group of people uh, demonstrating in the Capitol, and they had gotten noisy. And you're not supposed to chance in the Capitol. And they had gotten noisy. So she went down there to quiet them down, and they arrested her. My goodness. And she's now John Lewis's replacement. So this is the second time this has happened. And, and, and Representative uh, Cannon, who was knocking at the door, she was upset. She was upset when this bill passed. It was very upsetting to people, especially black people. Um, and then she found out they were signing it immediately. And then she found out that they were signing it behind closed doors. Yeah, yeah. You know, so she knocked on the door. She wanted to know what was going on. She's an elected official. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, bad, bad optics. You know, yeah. It just, it really makes you wonder, uh, again, so many of these things and, and the roots of racism are so very deep that when you see these things, it's kind of like, really? Wow, you know? Um, but I'm glad that you were able to clarify the the uh, voting rights um, uh, laws that were just passed, the, the pros and the cons of all that, the challenges that exist. Um, I found this to be very, very informative, and I certainly hope that the audience was able to to uh, understand the breakdown that you presented. So I know that I appreciate it very much because I'm just not big on just picking up the narrative and saying, yeah, what he said. It's like, I don't know. I need to know yeah. before I can form an opinion. So, well, and I think the lesson is no matter where you live, pay attention to the voting laws in your state because it's not just a Southern thing. Right. Know your voting laws, know how they compare to other states and get to know your local election board. Find out how it's structured, who's on it, how they get appointed to that. Right. And if you can attend any meetings or if they're online, start watching them. You got it. There, there it is. You just heard it. Folks, thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Thank you for spending your afternoon right here with us at Bill Myers Inspires. Remember, we're here every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Inspired Choices Network. Remember to take time this week to take a breath and look within yourself and figure out how you can make a positive difference in this world. Spread the word, and we'll see you here next Friday. Have a wonderful week. Ha, ha, ha.